You don't need me to tell you what the economic data is saying right now. All over the country, businesses are closed, workers are being furloughed or laid off, and businesses and consumers alike are looking at what they have saved and trying to figure out how much longer they can go in a lockdown. I want to focus today on the local economic aspect of the pandemic, as seen through the lens of the primary lenders to small businesses in rural and suburban communities. What are community bankers saying about their local economies and future business activity? What are they telling their regulators? And what do the regulators have to say back? So without further ado, I'm Matt Longacre, and this is Simply Stated. All right, so today I am joined by CSBS Senior Executive Vice President Mike Stevens. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Thank you. And I am also joined by our Senior Economist at CSBS, Tom Seams. Thanks for joining me as well, Tom. Glad to be here. So we're going through a discussion about CBSI, and I just wanted to get down on paper or in audio uh, what exactly the CBSI is. So Mike, could you explain what CBSI stands for, what it is, what the goal is for it to do? The CBSI is the Community Bank Sentiment Index. Um, I think the easiest way to look at this is it's seven questions of what an individual thinks about the economy. But that individual that answers those questions is a community banker that has a really important perspective because that community banker talks to everyone They talk to business people and depositors and farmers and hourly workers and local politicians. And so it's really tapping into all that they know and what that tells them about the future of business conditions and economic activity. So when you total all of these views, uh, it's a view of what's happening at the uh, local level all across the, the country. You think about it, economic activity is inherently local. It's a sum of individual transactions of of consumers and and businesses uh, conducting uh, commerce. Um, And that's really what the index uh, is intended to capture. And so would you say then that is distinct advantage over, say, regular economic numbers or jobless numbers is that you're getting an insight into somebody who sees the smaller, uh, more granular picture that might be harder to capture in big national economic data? I, yeah, I think that's right. It, it, it is that, that local picture. But I think that when you add all these other measures together, other sentiment index, other measures of employment, the Community Bank Sentiment Index and some of the detailed information that is produced from the survey uh, adds to the picture that all of these economic metrics are, are trying to uh, to paint. All right. So if we're trying to piece this into a larger picture, Tom, can you just tell us what the sentiment index says about quarter one 2020 and how different it is than previous quarters? We probably already anticipate that it's down, but how much and and what does that mean? Right. So um, it is down significantly. So if you can just picture in your mind a line that uh, goes from about 122 and then takes a sharp drop to about 91 
that's what this has looked like. So for the last three quarters, we've had numbers of 121, 122, 123, um, and it dropped to 91. So give me some perspective on the outside bounds of this measurement. So if 100% of community bankers you surveyed said that they were positive about the future, what number would that be on the scale? What would the index say? And if 100% of bankers were negative, what would the index say? So what are the top and bottom of this index? Right. So it would range from zero to 200. So if everyone says it's great, then then you get an index reading of 200. And if everyone says it's 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 just horrible, it's, it, it would be a zero. So in, in that perspective, 32 points is quite large. Very large. Yes. And so uh, one interesting question that I had for you is uh, this index is collected over a full month. So it you start collecting measurements on March 1st, you finish collecting them on March 31st. I'm pretty sure March has 31 days. I'm losing track of days now. And uh, that was the period in which everything in the United States started shutting down. So were you able to break out those numbers by week or by day and see the decline as people were answering these questions? Yes, we were. And as you would expect, uh, the responses as the month wore on uh, became uh, more and more negative overall. And uh, the, the first half of the month had readings close to around 100, which was still down from you know, our, our previous surveys. But the um, responses in the last half of the month were in the low 70s. So if the if the index were only measuring that one week of responses about the state of things, then we would be at 71, not 91. That is very possible, yes. Tell me, are there any markets or sectors that the bankers are most negative about? Yeah, so one of the interesting questions that we asked this time, it was a special question that we, that we asked. It was not part of the seven questions that make up the index. Um, but we asked them for their outlook uh, for various economic segments. We had uh, about 10 or 11 different economic segments in there. Overall, the uh, most negative sector was oil and gas. And close to that was tourism, restaurants, retail, uh, and consumer took the biggest drop from the start of the month to the end of the month. The sector that held up as the most optimistic in this question was healthcare, and agriculture was number two. Uh, but we we see almost across the board in all of these sectors uh, a lot of negativity. You know, and when I say a lot of negativity, is what I mean is we we had a lot of answers that said that uh, the outlook for that sector is going to be negative or slightly negative, and. Um, um, in particular, the service industries are the ones that uh, our, um, you know, our bankers are most concerned about. And since all of these are outlooks, does that mean that they're projecting how far into the future about the condition of these industries? Are they saying, I think it's going to be bad in the short term, or are they saying these things are going to continue for a long period of time in their view? Well, our question was, what is your future outlook over the next 12 months? Uh, so we were looking one year in advance. 
Mike, you have direct contact with uh, state regulators and bankers, and state regulators are hearing about things going on directly from bankers and local communities. Help us understand, help, help take these numbers into reality. What's, what's the feeling on the ground? What are people saying? What are they experiencing? You know, the economic effects are going to be very significant. And when you ask people to, to stay home, um, they're not they're not spending as, as much money when you ask them not to congregate. They're not, you know, hanging out in coffee shops and, and going to restaurants and going to the breweries, all that kind of stuff. It just it just stops all that activity. And that is, you know, we look at it from a social aspect and that that our lives have changed. We're not going to movies, those those sort of things. But it's a what you're asking, what you're really asking people to do is don't spend money. Um, other than you know going to going to the grocery store or perhaps a, a quick takeout, um, so that has just this tremendous impact um, throughout the country, but at the local level. So you remember at the start of this, I, I said that you know uh, uh, economic activity is inherently local. Um, so all this is having um, a tremendous um, impact at the local level and on people's lives. And so what, if anything, can community bankers do about that? So community bankers, they, they know what to do. They're, they're going to, they're going to work with the borrowers. It's in their best interest to work with the borrowers and it's going to take, take time. And, and bankers are probably worried themselves, right? So what are regulators doing to assure or reassure bankers in this moment? The state and federal agencies have been uh, uh, busy providing uh, direction, guidance, and, and in some cases, relief uh, to the industry. You know, one thing that is common anytime you've got a, a local disaster, or in this case, a, a, a real uh, a national crisis, um, the agencies, including the states, will put out a statement that, that encourages uh, bankers, lenders to work with their customers. And so it's a standard uh, a statement. It, it isn't said this way for, for probably obvious reasons. But the other part about that statement that it implies is from the, from the, the industry's regulator that says, we understand you're going to have to do some things uh, to, to modify credit and to work with your customers. We understand that. And we want you to do those things. I think that's kind of a, um, the un, kind of written pledge or, or statement uh, behind all those statements. But you're also seeing additional statements that come out with certain types of relief or guidance on how to work in this environment. So, so you'll see a, a variety of statements coming from the agency is really all intended to try to help the industry with how to operate in this environment and where appropriate uh, uh, provide some relief. And beyond the regulators, it seems that Congress has also stepped in to help the banks at least help their lenders. There's been this program. It seems there's something like $350 billion being made available to small businesses. Can you tell me how bankers are involved with that and what their reaction was to that. There's been a lot of press this weekend about the payroll uh, protection uh, program through the SBA that was um, out of the phase three uh, bill that that uh, Congress um, uh, enacted uh, last month. And I mean, this is a, a this is a really good program through the SBA that the money gets distributed to, to small businesses through uh, the banking system. Uh, to protect payroll and to enable small businesses to maintain their payroll, pay their people, and then ultimately, if they maintain uh, that's that staffing level for a period of time, that those loans will be forgiven. Boy, that's in our 
national economic interest uh, uh, to keep these businesses going, to keep people employed and keep the money flowing so we can get to the other side. But what you saw um, uh, leading up to uh, after the passage of the act while Treasury and the SBA were getting this program set up was just a, a flood of questions and pressure from the industry uh, because they wanted access to these funds. They know that uh, what a difference that these funds will make at a local level. And so you saw that pressure. Look, a, a program like this uh, launched as fast as it was going to was, was bound to have some hiccups and bound to uh, uh, have some have some missteps and, and uh, uh, this program has. There are maybe some signs in the last few days that things have started to break free and you get the technology figured out and 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 hopefully we get there because I think this is a really great program. But the reason that you hear so much frustration from the industry uh, uh, about um, access to the program and access to these funds is just because they know what a significant difference that that it'll make uh, in their communities and and for for their borrowers. So there's been some challenges with the rollout. Is there hope that it's going to work out in the long run for the bankers and for communities? You got to be confident. You got to be optimistic. I, I think that the uh, the, the uh, SBA will get their sea legs and get this figured out and, and the money will really uh, uh, start to flow uh, because I do think that this is the type of program that's a real difference maker uh, uh, for communities. And again, I'll end where I started, which is the community bankers know uh, uh uh, know what to do. They need the flexibility to do that. And uh, funding sources like this only enable them further. So community bankers know what to do. And uh, they know how to talk to their their consumers. So as a former regulator and someone who works with regulators on a daily basis, what's the 30-second pitch from regulators to bankers right now who are clamoring for these funds, who are trying to work with their customers? What are you telling them right now uh, to reassure them or to tell them how regulators are helping? Well, Matt, there's uh, going to be a lot of work to do. Overall, when it comes to um, access to these programs where you're running into obstacles and issues, you need to elevate those. Um, elevate them to your um, uh, to your state regulator, your federal regulator, take them direct to Treasury. Uh, they need that feedback to know where there are obstacles. Uh, I don't believe... From Congress to the administration, I don't think anybody wants any obstacles. Uh, and so, where there are obstacles that can be addressed, they've got to get escalated. Uh, we don't shouldn't assume that they that they uh, uh, that they have to exist. And I, you know, I think that the the local associations are doing a really great job. I hear this often from uh, from our members. Uh, they're doing a lot to do daily calls in in many many cases of their industry. That's a great way to elevate issues. Uh, and and share information. Um, you know, it's a competitive marketplace, but uh, uh, boy, does this industry really know how to how to rally and work together? Uh, and so, I'd be tapping into those resources for answers and also ways to elevate um, as we continue down this path and uh, uh, move towards economic recovery after we address the work through the the health crisis part of this and then on to economic recovery. Look, where there are ideas and things that that, um, uh, the regulators can do and Congress can do, let's get those ideas, uh, let's get those ideas out there uh, so that we can can do this, but do it in a reasonable way that also protects the safety and soundness of the the system and ensures uh, consumer protection. Boy, there's a lot we can do uh, and and still maintain, uh, hold true to those principles. So to summarize all that, what I'm hearing is, Congress is trying their best to be helpful to bankers. 
regulators are trying to be gracious to their bankers and to their institutions, and these bankers are trying to be gracious to their consumers, and everyone's trying just to pull through and work together with this. We all have the same goal. All right, excellent. This was really insightful and really interesting. Thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to me um, from your respective uh, isolated holes all across Virginia. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. That's all for today. Please follow Simply Stated on your favorite podcasting app to continue to receive updates on the financial system during the COVID-19 pandemic. And believe it or not, once this is over, we will be bringing lots of great programming to you beyond COVID-19. We'll discuss the road to recovery, legislation and regulations put on the back burner that will be back on the table, and so much more. I'm Matt Longacre, and this was Simply Stated. Simply Stated.